Welcome to Data Driven Recruiting. In this podcast, we talk about strategies and techniques for leveraging objective talent data to improve hiring processes. Well, welcome back to Data Driven Recruiting. My name is Sophia Beck, and today I have my co host Tigran Sloan here. Hi, hey, Tigran. Hey, I skipped a week. It's nice to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you back. And well, today I have a um, pretty exciting topic to discuss with you, which is uh, top three things to avoid when conducting technical interviews. And I think it's especially relevant given that, you know, um, a lot of people are conducting technical interviews online remotely. And I think, uh you know, there are, there are more things like it's because it's so new. I think people um, are making some of the mistakes that could, you know, make the candidate experience not as good or even like some legal compliant issues. So tell us uh, what are some of the things that we absolutely must avoid? Yeah, I think a lot of these are applicable even uh, in the non-COVID times. But I guess, as you said, in COVID times, uh more mistakes start happening because you kind of lose some of that structure and consistency you used to have before. So uh, let's start with number one. I think number one, and I'm sure all developers who've ever been through a technical interview would agree with me, is conducting a technical interview on a whiteboard or a text editor. Uh, Everybody hates this. It's really bad. There's still really prominent companies doing it. One of them like, being, you mean like asking them to code, write code on a whiteboard? Or yeah, like so like asking editor. someone to code in a whiteboard or a Google Doc, right? Like, or yeah. another, like just simple plain text editor. Because uh, it's kind of crazy, right? Like if you've ever tried, mm-hmm. I don't know, if you know any programming, you know, it is one of the... I personally have done that on the <laughs> I was asked to write like, SQL I've, I've, query on it. I've, I've yeah. been in like a SQL query. Most of the stuff that you write is like, I don't know asterisks or like a colon, right? Like right, the, when you're right. writing actual code like JavaScript, you have squiggly brackets. You know those ones? I like, know, yeah. Insane to it. Like try to draw, draw a squiggly bracket. Draw it on the board, yeah. <laughs> it will, it and, and then they'll be questioning, right? is that a bracket? Is that bracelet? Or is like, you know, what is it? <laughs> I know, right? So, I mean, and that's just one example, right? From like lacking auto-completion to mm. just feeling really awkward with your spacing and everything else. It's like trying to interview, a, I don't know, a pilot and giving them a paper airplane to display for you how they would do like takeoff and landing or something like that. Yeah, it's right? making the whole experience unnecessarily more difficult and stressful, right? So it's distraction and, overall. And the most mind-blowing thing is that there's mm. still really prominent companies. I mean, it's been changing the last 10 years or so, but there are still really prominent companies who are doing it. And Google is one example. Like, So if you go interview at Google today, you're on a if you're on a phone screen, you would get a Google Doc. If you mm. go on site, whenever on sites are back, you'll be asked to code on a whiteboard. So number one thing, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. All right. Number number two. So number two is somewhat relevant, uh, but it's the, the reasons not to do it are less obvious. Uh, and the number two is asking candidates to share their screen or bring their own laptop to the interview. Mm -hmm. While it seems to make sense from the first glance, right? So when you're trying to optimize for candidate experience, like what better candidate experience than giving them their own comfort of their own keyboard and 
their, their own, own environment set up. Yeah, like it's it's all yeah. theirs. It's better uh, well, than the text editor. <laughs> it's way better than the text editor, right? From the candidate yeah. experience perspective, but from a consistency and legal perspective and bias perspective, it's a huge, huge red flag because mm. as soon as you ask the candidate to share their screen, uh, well, one, you're going to start seeing things you should not be seeing and you do not want to be seeing. You're opening a Pandora box that can cause even more bias than someone's resume. Uh, Give us an have- example. What are some of the things we shouldn't see? Like, like for yeah. example, right? Let's say, uh, you know, you open up, I share my screen and my desktop saver is like Donald Trump. <laughs> mm. so, and there you go, like political bias. And if you don't right. like the president, that means you're instantly going to have a reaction to this candidate you don't want to be having because you're not evaluating them based on their political views. You're evaluating them based on their ability to perform the job. Right. And even if they just share one like the, their Chrome video, not the entire screen, well, mm-hmm. you're going to be seeing their Chrome extensions. You're going to accidentally see their browsing history. Mm-hmm. And once they start Bookmarks typing something and... in the tab, you're going to see oh. their previous searches. Like yeah. all the things Ooh. that you should just not be seeing and looking at. That so, seems like a legal nightmare. It's a yeah. legal HR nightmare, and sooner or later, one of the candidates is going to sue the company saying that I've been rejected due to something that the interviewer saw during the interview. Right, yeah. Why And why Why even have that, open that up, right? It's a Pandora's box. Don't, don't, don't. do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't open that up. Okay. Number three. And number three is, uh, again, somewhat obvious. Uh, but a lot of people still do it, which is choosing interview questions on the spot. So essentially showing up to an interview, not Mm -hmm. really having an exact plan and just improvising on the spot. Uh, Terrible idea on many, many, many levels. Uh, First one being uh, when you realize how biased we are and how much our sort of mood and attitude and decision-making consistency switches during the day, right? So like if you're having this interview before lunch versus after lunch, or if you just had a tough meeting or a tough conversation with somebody, the way you evaluate the candidate is going to be drastically different. And one thing that can make it even worse is basically not having an exact game plan in terms of the sequence of questions and how you're going to be uh, evaluating candidates' performance on those questions beforehand. Mm. Because it just leads to the... It seems like there is no consistency in evaluation itself. Right. Yeah. And again, bringing consistency to interviews is hard, even when you have like a consistent set of questions. If right. you don't have a consistent set of questions, what's going to happen is you're going to give the candidates that you like easier questions, the candidates yeah. that you don't like harder questions. Uh, you're going to judge some of them more harshly and others less, depending on your mood and what kind of what time of the day the interview is being conducted. Mm-hmm. There was a pretty big research. I don't remember the name right now, but the idea was that when they looked at how judges, right, like federal, you know, judges court judges, actually, yeah. yeah, court judges made decisions on the same cases, it really differed depending on time of the day and if they had lunch already or didn't have lunch, right? So... Mm-hmm. Even judges whose job it is all day long is to make fair judgments can Mm. have that much of a sort of swing in their decision making. 
Uh, imagine if you're basically picking questions on the spot, what kind of an effect that's going to leave on your right. uh, so, hiring I mean, consistency. Al- although probably getting like the perfect consistency is difficult, but structured interview itself at least guides you half of the way to right. you know being the right set. And and it sounds like it's also um, you know just preparedness. Like if you're if you have to just come up with a question on the spot. Not right. only that it's a uh, you know not going to produce consistent results, but also, you know, it's a uh, you got you know, it's a uh, although you know a lot of people have the interview fatigue because like you're doing so many interviews, mm-hmm. but you do need to come prepared just like any other meetings you're conducting. Yeah, it's candidate experience. Yeah, and it's a very right. important meeting for I mean yeah. for you to make a big decision as well as a candidate, right? Right, yeah. exactly, right? You don't want the candidate to walk off being like, I feel like the interviewer was completely unprepared and was just picking stuff on the yeah. spot because uh, it's a small community and world world travels fast and mm-hmm. you don't want that that to be one of the first interactions with your company's brand. Right, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your, you know, insights and advice on this, you know, interesting topic and hope um, a lot more people can be more prepared and avoid some of the big mistakes that uh, we talked about while conducting technical interviews. Perfect. Um, Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today for everyone. And for more tips and insights on data-driven recruiting, please visit ddr.codesignal.com. We'll see you next time.